Welcome to episode 78 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. And today, talk about Ridley Scott's 2001 war film, Black Hawk Down. Uh, Ridley Scott, of course, is a big time name in 2021 with a movie that's out now. You can go check it out in the theaters. Got a pretty cool ensemble cast, but so does Black Hawk Down. Holy shit. <laughs> People riddled throughout this movie, and it's so much fun to rewatch just because of that. Uh, and then you also get this jam packed, action packed war movie. Uh, covering an early 90s action that was going on for our, our military uh, in Somalia. This is, this is a ride, and I know it was your first time seeing it, so what, what are your initial reactions to Black Hawk Down? This was intense, uh, but I knew it was going to be intense, uh, but I didn't expect it to be as realistic as it was. Um, it really does feel like I'm watching a military op that was like recorded. It's very impressive work from Ridley Scott, who I've noticed uh, I've been paying more attention to his career over the past week due to, you know, House of Gucci and Black Hawk Down for this show. And I realized he's way more uh, hit or miss than I had initially thought. And uh, this is definitely one of his better films. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Ridley is just a, a guy who can't constantly and take different ideas, take differences and try to put his own on it. I definitely have some favorites like you. Uh, and then there's some that I just don't care for. But Black Hawk Down is, is <clears throat> maybe even somewhere in the middle where I think, I think it, there's people who are in clear camp movies. With Black Hawk Down, I've, I've found that it's one of those that everybody's just kind of, yeah, it's good. You know, it's good, solid. It's, not, it's kind of neutral. It's not really on, it's not alien. <laughs> and, you know, for you, Connor, it's not the duelist. <laughs> It's, oh. it's just kind of, it's good. It's solid. It's definitely not his best work. There's no, there's no way you could call Black Hawk Down best movie. I, I think I wanted to hear from you. You watch movies, especially, uh, you know, war, war movies. I know you care a lot about kind of the, the, the source of history and what, what's true and what it's like 160 elite soldiers that, that go into this, go into this specific area and just kind of, create mayhem amongst the society and you know they're not welcomed at all and they get turned on very quickly in the movie and apparently you know that's that's done in real life how do you this particular uh piece of history well, to be fair i i don't know much about america's involvement in somalia this is kind of the like definitive film about that uh so i was learning alongside you know i was learning while watching the movie uh but I looked up some stuff afterwards, and apparently, like this film was pretty spot on with uh, depiction of this very tumultuous time in the early '90s. Uh, apart from one bit, which I agree, they 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 changed for the right reasons. Um, the character that Ewan McGregor plays, uh, the real guy, was convicted of. Uh, some sexual crimes and sent and is uh, serving time for that. So they changed his name for reason. Yeah. Yeah. He got the silver star, but I think that shit outweighs the silver star. So they had to change his name. But other than that, I think from yeah. the bit, the little bit that I know or found out well done on Ridley Scott's part, he's, he's done that a lot in the past. Whenever he doesn't biopic, it tends to be pretty spot on with history. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, it's it's the early 90s and then the book, 
1999 nonfiction book of the exact same name by Mark Bowden, paired with Ken Nolan's screenplay, is a, is a good, you know, good recipe, I think. And it's pretty, it, it's amazing how, you know, 20 years have passed since the movie, about 30 years have passed since actual events, but there's not a whole lot of time, you know, it's like in between the, the, the raid in Somalia and the movie coming out. Pretty wild how quick it was that this movie was made. I'm sure seeing it at that time was pretty impactful, you know, in 2001 when a lot of, a lot of things were happening in the United States, like lots of things that are still affecting us today, however people saw it. Uh, I just, I, I found my, myself in that place, that thinking space a lot last night when I was, when I was kind of rewatching it and checking it out. I was like, man, I'm, I wonder what it would have been like to be my age watching this movie in 2001, uh, just kind of, kind of traumatized as a country by, by war, by just pure devastation. And it's hard to, it's hard to figure out where you stand in all those things. You know, there's so much information. There's so many different reasons for all the different things happening. And, and it's just, it's just hard. It's hard as a, a person who's just, just a normal person who works a normal job. It's hard to kind of, process that and accept it and figure out where you stand. I, I always watching war films. I always have a hard time. Yeah, I totally get you. I, um, especially with this movie, I was, when I was reading the reviews, um, somebody pointed out that this film does a great job condemning the war, but celebrating the soldiers. And that is something that every war movie needs to do. You should never glorify war. War is, absolutely devastating it's fucked up it's a terrible thing that we have as a species but the soldiers fighting these wars deserve our respect eternally and it's important to to make that distinction uh this film is very much about the men who were in the shit struggling to stay to stay alive it wasn't about politics it wasn't about you know national divides it was entirely about the man next to me is going to die if i don't get him out of here yeah, and i yeah. love the, the the take that this film took it needed that or else this wasn't going to work this would have been freaking propaganda if it hadn't taken that angle with it yeah yeah i think that's well put well put i think there's a fine line that that a lot of movies still they they, they either cross or they don't they don't, they don't commit to one or the other and just kind of stays in this place of like, okay, another war movie. But then there's those, there's those standouts throughout, throughout cinema history that are much about the individuals and who, you know, have families back at home. And those families are, you know, when you have someone that you love that's in the war, in any war, you are kind of a part of it as well because you're, you're like, they're with you and you're with them uh, in spirit. Uh, that, that's a good touch for, for movies to have. And I think Black Hawk Down, yeah, is just riddled with that. It's awesome. Uh, Ridley Scott, this guy's no, uh, no slouch, you know. Uh, we've talked about him before on, on different, all kinds of different podcasts through, through Filmgasm. And he, he's, just, he's just huge and is still just kicking it. He's been doing it for over 40 years now, uh, starting with The Duelist. And of course, you know, Alien in 1979. Uh, Blade Runner, like these, these like huge, huge films. And he's had, he has two this year in 2021. It's really crazy. And I've, I've heard great things about the last duel. I haven't been able to see it yet. And I'm hearing mixed things about house of Gucci, but the guy just kind of demands attention. 
and he's also demanded uh, attention from the Academy. He was nominated for Best Director Film in Louise, 1991. He was nominated for Best Director Gladiator, 2000. Nominated in 2001, uh, Best Director for Black Hawk Down. And then he was nominated for uh, Best Picture of the Year as a producer for The Martian in 2015. Those four movies really explain him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> explain kind of the, 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 explain the different kinds of storytelling and then also just kind of these constant tropes that he's going to use and how he loves the epic scale. You know, Gladiator, when I was a kid and seeing that movie for the first time, it was like, what am I seeing? These guys, you know, these guys are like on a pedestal, you know, and it's as if their director is admiring every move they make. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Awesome to watch. The Martian is like super, super intense, you know, kind of solo adventure where he's not only admiring this kind of character, but he's admiring Matt Damon, you know? <laughs> and I love that about him. I love his admiration for the character. Yeah, he's, a, he's one of those masterclass guys who is responsible for creating so many iconic classics, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of his later work, which, you know, hasn't been amazing. But this is the guy who made Aliens, this is the guy who made Blade Runner, uh, which I don't care for, but I know is beloved in the geek community, mea culpa. But yeah, I, I think he's great for the most part. And I have, you know, The Last Duel was really good, uh, long, but really good. And then House of Gucci, also really long, but also really good. Uh, I don't think he's done in, at all. You know, he's still, he's producing his alien TV show and now a Blade Runner TV show. So he's just, you know, he's, I see, he seems like one of those guys who needs to work. Like, like always needs to work. Like if he slows, he's like a shark. If he slows down, he's going to die. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's these, these mostly <clears throat> like pacey, intense movies. He has this, uh, this incredible patience as a filmmaker to, to do stuff like the, the Kingdom of Heaven is, is an underrated one. I really, really like that movie. And it has just these incredible, incredible runs in that movie that, I'll never forget American gangster. I think his, uh, his, his kind of use of Denzel is something that we don't get to see a lot. And with one of the biggest stars of all time, I respect what's happening in that movie as well. And how the, the pace is kind of sometimes like jumbly almost with, with Scott, where you're kind of, you're kind of a uh, disillusioned and you're, 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 you're so watching a movie when you're watching a Ridley Scott movie. And I love that about, even if it's not that good, you're just kind of like, I'm, I'm like really watching a movie here. Like this is a guy who clearly it's just in his, there's just nothing he can do about it. And I love guys like that. I think uh, some, some of my favorite, even if I don't, again, love everything they've done. I, that's one of my favorite character traits a director can have is just this kind of endless, you know, he, he's almost like a, in, in football when a cornerback, the guy who's guarding a receiver, is covering a receiver, and he gets burned, burned, burned. He's just like always, he's always going to try the next play. He's always going to try the next thing, always going to try to like compete again and again and again over and over. Your mind just kind of, just kind of puts it behind. I see that a lot in his movies. And Black Hawk Down, I think, is an example of him it could go wrong. It could go wrong. It could go wrong. It could go wrong. And then it turns this way where you're like, holy shit, this guy's, this guy's been in control the whole time. <laughs> and I love that. Fucking love that about him. Uh, 
it's it's cool it's cool to see a movie like black hawk down and kind of just after you know as a kid when i saw this or not a kid but i was a teenager and i just i, I had no idea what i was watching and i liked it but i i now when i watch it i i just feel ridley scott so much and i I think it's kind of cool that he was nominated for best director for this one. This is a two and a half hour movie that just zips by and that's not easy to do. Well, it's also kind of neat when, you know, an Oscar, like a movie can be nominated for like a few technical awards and then best director. It's always, it's like, it's, it's telling you like, this is not, you know, it's not here because it's a best picture nominee. It's here because we do value the direction of this film in particular. And I was, I always think that's neat. Yeah. That also happens this year with uh, David Lynch. Yeah, you're you're in this wacky, crazy zone. You know, you're in the zone. You have to respect someone in the fucking zone. You know, they're kind of playing at their own their own rhythm. I think, I think Ridley Scott has done that at times. Uh, there's a there's a few other people I want to I want about here. Uh, we'll start with Sam Shepard. Rest in peace. Passed away uh, in 17. Has has one nomination, one performance nomination. I gotta gotta recognize it for uh, actor in a supporting role, The Right Stuff, nineteen eighty three, and this guy fucking kicks ass. There's those scenes where it is action, 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 and then it finally cuts back to Sam Shepard. Like you know, he's the one who's in control of <laughs> of what's going on. You know, ultimately it's his ass, right? Uh, when he has to go to Washington, and he's he's a great touch in this movie. I there's not really, to me, a, a weak links in Black Hawk Down. Like everybody's kind of bringing their A game, and I, I love that about it. And I think Sam Shepard's one of the top of the guys at that list. Yeah, he's one of those character actors I've never really explored. I've seen a couple of his movies, but never really noticed him. Uh, and I'm gonna have to change that. I've never seen the right stuff. That's a good place to start. Yeah, always, always good to kind of go with something that's kind of kind of a classic for for somebody uh i i like him uh <clears throat> like you said a character actor that you don't quite notice but then when you look at his imdb you're like oh yeah whoa he's in all of these all these different films uh he's in out of the furnace a movie i really like that i think is, is pretty underrated uh, i love him in mud uh killing them softly he's awesome and he has these these movies in the 2010s that I, I i really dig i really dig what he's doing in them and he always brings this kind of kind of aggression to to a movie and i i love that from certain guys i don't think we have a lot of them right now and i think sam Shepard is is one of those dudes who just brings a, a gravitas that not most you know quote-unquote actors have you know uh he's he's different he's kind of a different breed yeah well, he comes from that era of character actors that were just kind of you know gritty real people and that generation is so ex- like it's so exciting to discover them and then get to kind of go back and exp- experience their work. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard the name for, for years and I just never like Black Hawk Down put, helped me put a face there. And now I'm going to, I'm going to look for him. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're going to notice him even more after, after what, what there's always that one performance that kind of makes that jolt. And I think, I think, yeah, Sam Shepard in, in Black Hawk Down, that's definitely one of his jolt performances. Uh, a guy who doesn't need any jolts is Tom Hardy. Good God, you know, one of the most recognizable uh, actors alive right now, I would say. 
Uh, he was nominated also for Best Actor in a Supporting Role uh, in 2015's The Revenant, where he <laughs> just just will uh, just will, will scare you. I'll say that <laughs> he's fucking amazing in The Revenant. But it's kind of weird that he's only been nominated for that, right? You know, especially over the past decade. You know, I think starting with Inception, after that, he just, just fucking took off. I love him in Bronson in 2008, but I think it's Inception in 2010, the Christopher Nolan film, that just allows him to go to a different place in stardom. And from there on out, you know, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, Warrior, Lawless, fucking Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, Locke, The Drop. Child 44, Mad Max, uh, Legend, The Revenant, uh, TV show Taboo, Dunkirk, Venom, fucking Peaky Blinders. He plays Capone. Uh, He's just, he's rattled off so many amazing movies, so many amazing performances uh, the past, uh, you know, 10, 11 years. And he, I love him. I love watching him and seeing him in Black Hawk Down. This character is great. And I love how uh, him and his buddy, they... (laughs) they basically get left behind <laughs> and they're just left there just because they're both trustworthy shooters. You know, they're both trustworthy kind of uh, combat guys and they just get left, left for dead, dude. And they're both like, what do we do? You know, and they just fucking find their way back. They're like, no, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to wait for the convoy. We got to go to it. And they're like, no, let's go to the crash site, man. Like, oh, you know, it's these, these two dudes who are in this massive situation and they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea how, like, how, how great of a scale this, you know, this battle is. And it's, it's amazing watching him in 2001, uh, 20 years ago. Just incredible. He's, he's one, he's, he's one of the best right now. I love Tom Hardy. Yeah. Fucker hasn't aged in 20 years. He he looks exactly the same. And yeah, this guy's been a, a powerhouse talent since day one. And I'm so glad that like a film like Bronson helped him get his foot in the door even further. And then just hooking up with Christopher Nolan opened an endless door of possibilities. And here we are. Now he's one of the most recognizable and talented A-listers working today. And he, deser- he deserves all, all the success. He's an absolute powerhouse and a f- fantastic actor. I mean, to me, like his greatest performance thus far is Warrior. I... oh. That movie is unreal. It's such a a devastating film, but he plays just, you know, chip on his shoulder so well, just angry, full of pain and rage. I yeah, I'm I want to watch that movie now. <laughs> it's I love him to death. That's what that's what Tom Hardy does best is he he has that 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 kind of gift that movie stars have where you don't really have to think about anything other than what that individual is doing in the movie. And you're like, okay, I want to watch that again. You know, uh, I, I also love warrior, but I think, I think the one where I'm just so, so impressed by him is Locke. Like, man, he's fucking, he's a rock star in that movie. And I love, I love his, his, his banter. You know, I love his, his bits of dialogue that he's able to get. That's why I I'm with you where I'm kind of like one of those people who really digs venom from 2018. <laughs> and I, I, I find it to be pretty, pretty funny. And I really like his, his demeanor. I like his style. I like how he's able to do, you know, do the American accent. He's also just this wily Brit and I'm, I'm already, yeah, I think he's just going to get better and better. He's only, you know, he's only 24 years old when Black Hawk Down came out. 
he's in his forties now and just killing it. I can't wait to see what kind of actor he is through his, you know, late forties and fifties. I think that's when a lot of guys figure a lot of stuff out about who they are past the physical point. Uh, and Tom Hardy obviously is this, this, this monster. He can just bulk up like nobody's business in, in Hollywood and, and then kind of, you know, slim back down to, 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 to look like a normal person. <laughs> it's crazy watching him in, you know, fucking Dark Knight Rises and then watching him in like the drop. You're like, that's the same fucker. <laughs> He's just a fucking hulking beast in Dark Knight Rises. And I, I love that about him. And I can't wait to see what he, what he does, you know, as he gets older with age. Uh, to me, he's he's not going anywhere, and if if anything, he's going to get more more Oscar nominations as he as he continues. But the Revenant is a, is a good one, you know. It's he's he's doing stuff that kind of nobody else can do uh, in Hollywood in that movie, and I, I respect that. But I wish there were more. I I think I'm with you. I think Warrior is probably the one. It's like, well, where the fuck is his nomination type thing? Uh, I I think Locke also, you know, there's there's ones. I love what he's doing in Mad Max. Uh, I love what he's doing in Dunkirk, even though he's not, you know, it doesn't have a lot of dialogue or anything. Uh, and I love him in Peaky Blinders. I go on about him forever. We could just keep going. One last one. Lawless is an underrated film. And yeah, yeah. He did that the same year he did Dark Knight Rises. So underneath his like, you know, sweater and like his vest is like, you know, Bane bulk. So he looks fucking huge. <laughs> he just looks so intimidating. He's mastered the art of mumble speak. Like he, you know, the way he, he can just kind of bring, you know, talk out the side of his mouth to a character and it works. And yeah, check out Lawless. If you like, if you really want a, a masterclass on who Tom Hardy is as an actor, that movie's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. Uh, Lawless has like one of the most interesting cast to me, Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf and, Jessica Chastain, Guy Pierce, Gary Oldman, Jason Clark. Like, it's just oh, like, what? <laughs> like, that sounds great. Like, on paper, I'll watch anything with all those people in it. Uh, Bill Camp is great in that movie. Uh, Noah Taylor. Just like, fuck. You know, it's just really cool actors that I respect a lot and have respect their craft a lot. And he's kind of at the forefront. So, yeah, good shout. Uh, I remember seeing that one in theaters and just kind of being, I just wanted to listen to, like country music and go rob shit, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let's go. Oh man. Awesome stuff. Uh, That's it for performers in this movie, which is crazy, right? You know, you got, you got all these people, but they're all, you know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the actors in this movie are not, they're not award type people, you know, I mean, I'd say, I wish you and McGregor had something to say, but uh, you know, Josh Hartnett, you know, not, it's not really going to happen for him, right? Uh, who else? J- I love Jason Isaacs. Uh, Jeremy Piven. <laughs> I'm really surprised Eric Bana hasn't gotten anything in his career. Yeah. Eric Bana is awesome in this movie as a hoot. <laughs> hoot. <laughs> Fucking hoot. Yeah. No, yeah. Tom Sizemore as McKnight. Uh, yeah, there's all, all kinds of people in this movie, and it's just fun, fun to kind of go down that road. Uh, but there is quite possibly a bigger name well i i don't think it's quite possibly i think it's just true maybe maybe it is i don't know this is actually might be closer than i think in my head uh the composer for this for this movie is 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 han zimmer and han zimmer might be the biggest name attached to the movie uh i'd say it's him and ridley scott i guess i don't know uh he's just and tom hardy <laughs> uh 
Hans Zimmer, for what he's done inside of his lane, inside of his, you know, contribution to film, we've talked about him before. He's just, he's one of the icons, one of like the four or five major icons when it comes to composing scores for film. There's just not a lot of people that everybody knows their name. They, they know what movies he's attached to because he doesn't just choose, you know, he chooses all kinds of stuff, but he chooses massive, high scale, crazy anticipated films where the music is sometimes what lures you in. Sometimes that's what it is that gets you to, holy shit, I want theaters. And Hans Zimmer, I think, is, is somewhere at the top of that list. He might, might be number one. I don't know. Probably not my number one, but everybody knows Hans Zimmer. <laughs> and, and going Going through his, I you know, will take you hours because there's 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 so much, so much into it. But Zimmer, uh, I'm trying to think when the last time we brought him up was on this show. I feel like it wasn't that long ago, and we were like, oh yeah, you know, he's done everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just that's just that's just that's just who he is. Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure what it was. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. You you keep okay. going. Okay. Yeah, you look it up and I'll. I'll I'll go through his stuff. Perfect. Uh, he was nominated for a Rain Man 1980 uh, comedy score, The Preacher's Wife 1990 comedy score again 1997, as good as it gets. Uh, comedy score 1998 as well. Uh, Prince of Egypt, awesome movie. Original score Gladiator 2000. Uh, original score Sherlock Holmes 2009. Original score Inception. Uh, also original score interstellar 2014 and also dunkirk in 2017 those are good heavens i mean if you go through everything you know i i when i was a kid i vividly vividly remember if figuring out who this guy was you know it's like wait a minute he's attached to all this stuff that i'm seeing and i'm 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 falling in love with this man you know and i think maybe it pirates Caribbean that I could kind of as holy shit I love this guy wait was that did you do Rango it was Rango yeah 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 I don't Gore Verbinski's uh parts of the Caribbean I'm like oh yeah it's probably Rango <laughs> uh <laughs> so cool that's that's important as a kid when you're watching movies the music that floors you I've done that in my life since I was like six seven years old <laughs> and and I have respect for him so I the, the Ennio Morricone could have easily been named the Hans Zimmer. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Hans Zimmer has been crafting the soundtrack of my love of film since the beginning, you know, with The Lion King. And uh, Pirates, obviously, was a big one. Sherlock Holmes was probably the first time where I was paying attention to who was making the music. And I'm like, this is good. I like this. And uh, I've never looked back. He's one of the all-time greats. Uh, easily on par with John Williams and Thomas Newman and Ennio Morricone at this point. Like if there was a Rushmore, it's those guys. Uh, yeah, I I adore this guy. His music is unparalleled, and he, you know, uh, Black Hawk Down score is powerful, uh, subtle but very powerful. Yeah, no question, man. There's a few bits in this movie that are that have that uh, you know, like aggressive expansion. It has that bum, 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 bum. <laughs> You're like, ah, fuck. You know, you're, you're just, again, you're in a movie. It kind of goes hand in hand with Ridley Scott. This is kind of in his DNA. And it just makes, I love looking at, God, I love looking at his IMDb because you have stuff like 
The Holiday from 2006. And then, you know, you have Dead Man's Chest from 2006. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Just movies, movies, movies over and over. Uh, I, I love, love the guy. One day I want to do some sort of top 10 favorite scores or something like that from Hans Zimmer where we can just, just fucking talk about Hans and, and everything he's done for, for the movie industry and for, for the, for the history of cinema really. And there's, there's not a whole lot more you can say about him. He's a legend. Yeah. Enough said. (laughs) Uh, Now I, I do want to bring up one of my, one of my favorite, people that's involved in this movie i love hans zimmer love ridley scott love some of the cast but uh swalomir idziak is the uh cinematographer for this movie he's he's done some pretty cool things when it comes to comes to filmmaking and if you look at his look at his imdb you know around black hawk down is you know proof of life and king arthur harry potter and the order of the phoenix you know these 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 big movies and you go down, you're like, okay, well, where'd this guy, you know, where's some of this other stuff? And I, I, I get caught up in 1993's Three Colors, Blue, the Three Colors trilogy is, is, is fantastic. A lot of amazing stuff. And Blue might be my favorite. And that's due to how just extremely well shot it is. And he's, that's the only one he's the cinematographer for. And I just think it kind of stands out on that front. And I, I love this guy. And I mean, fucking Black Hawk Down, this is his only nomination ever. Uh, for cinematography this this particular film and he's just putting on a clinic there's there's some decisions made in this movie some different there's angles that are taken that i just respect so much because war movies a lot of the times can just kind of take the easy way and just kind of oh you know we'll do you know just a bunch of helicopter shots of these guys and then we'll do some close-ups but there's some like really cool stuff you know like within the alleyways when they're fighting and the camera's on the ground, the camera's using sunlight, the camera is then operating at night later on in the movie. Very cool stuff. I just think as a experience, you know, Swalwamir, I think is how you say it. I'm not sure. Idziak is, is an easier thing to say. His last name uh, is just really important to the touch of this movie. Uh, him, and, him and Ridley Scott's a pretty cool, pretty cool combo. So you can't go wrong with that. No, this film is a lot of its success is owed to the way it looks, the way it's shot. And it really does, you know, he keeps you invested in like you're on the ground the whole time. Like the only Mm -hmm. time you get a sense of escape is when you're getting a aerial shot from the choppers. But while you're, while the, you know, the the majority of the film is you're there in the, in the fucking dogfight with these guys. And it's a, it's brutal, but it's incredibly necessary to understanding and appreciating the insanity of this event. Uh, yeah, wonderful. This reminded me a lot of uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Just an endless mm. like swarm of, e- of death and mayhem that you cannot escape. And everything wants you dead just because of who you are and why you're here. Like, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, well said, just in, for sure. <laughs> you have no escape as a viewer either, and that's a really cool... Even when you're watching it at home, you know, on the couch, you just turn lights off and you're going to be taken away to a completely different place. Uh, Pietro Schia, uh one of the coolest IMDb uh, Oscar resumes I've ever seen. 
Uh, he's the film editor for Black Hawk Down, won the Oscar for Best Film Editing for Black Hawk Down, was also nominated for Gladiator, to, Gladiator in 2000, uh, nominated for Goodwill Hunting in 90, 1997, and won in 1991 for JFK. Holy <clears throat> shit. JFK is a masterclass in, in editing. <laughs> Oliver Stone is not a, not a guy that's going to be easy to work with and not a guy who's going to be easy when it comes to editing and cutting things and chopping things, figure, figuring out where to take what. <laughs> and JFK for me, and I think for you as well, is this fucking seamless, unbelievable, epic fucking movie that rightfully takes its place in the best picture uh, category with uh, alongside Silence of the Lambs. It just is worthy of being there. Such an amazing movie. And it, it somehow, you know, I think this probably could have been a nine hour thing, nine, nine hour ordeal, but they cut it down to a, you know, cut it, they cut it down to a nice three hours and, you know, like 15 minutes. And it's this crazy, wonderful ride. Uh, God, I, I love that movie so much. And then, you know, you talk about, you know, his, his work with Ridley Scott, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down. It makes sense, you know, working kind of in that vein. And Goodwill Hunting, throw that one in the mix and just completely, you realize, oh, this guy doesn't like a one-trick pony. He's worked on all kinds of different films and different scales. Uh, very cool. Oh, man. I, you know me. I'm not a fan of particularly long movies. Like, you have to really earn the right to be two and a half, three hours long. And I, if I have to watch a film like that, I usually will, like, spread it over the course of a few days. I could not walk away from JFK. I, I was sucked yeah, into that yeah, thing. Yeah. I was committed. That movie was brilliant. What an incredible cast, the way the story's told back and forth and it never doesn't make sense. It's, it's Oliver Stone's masterpiece. It's, it's a brilliant movie. And this dude had a hell of a job editing that thing into a coherent narrative and well done. God damn. Yeah. JFK was such a great movie. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, good. And it, just the second that he worked as solo film editor. <laughs> what? How did he do that? <laughs> it's really crazy. He does Megaville in 1990, which is a movie that just is apparently horrendous. He's got shit across the board. And he does JFK. JFK. And from there on out, you know, he kind of starts making his way, making his way, and does some does some misses here and there, but then you see, you know, you got Goodwill Hunting and Gladiator and Hannibal and Black Hawk Down uh, and ha- fucking Hannibal Rising, American Gangster, Body of Lies, Kick-Ass, Robin Hood, Prometheus, Amazing Spider-Man, The Counselor, uh, Big Really Scott Guy, uh, Sea of Trees, Martian. Just what a wild, what a wild run. But it all can't be as good as JFK. There's <laughs> just no <laughs> way. I'm with you, man. That movie's spectacular. One day, one day we will do that movie straight up with the show. And it will be, I will be delighted to rewatch it. Uh, last, last guy I want to talk about is Arthur Max, uh, a production designer, set decorator type guy. Uh, that's necessary in, in war movies, extremely necessary. When you have, especially the first 30 minutes or so, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys that are hanging out in camp. And to make that stuff worth time and worth your anticipation, and the buildup about to see and the action, the wild ride we're about to go on. Things matter and giving you a vibe, giving you, giving you the right. Here. And I, 
I like his work on Black Hawk Down. He was nominated uh, for Best Art Direction in Gladiator 2000. Yes. Uh, also Art Direction, uh, American Gangster, and then Art uh, Production Design in 2015 for The Martian. All nominations. So, again, this is another guy who Ridley Scott trusts. He's clearly got a team of people he, he likes to go back to, which we have found is more case than not uh, through this show. You just kind of see these different names that keep popping up, you know, here and there through someone's career. And I, I personally like that. I think it's cool. It's also cool to give opportunities, but it's also cool to find your team and like, hey, we're making another movie. I want you to come in for this specific job specific task i trust you like to to hold it down i i kind of like that about about movies yeah looking at this guy's imdb he's done pretty much every ridley scott film from 97 on and also he's the guy who did the production design for seven which is fantastic that movie's production design is like the fucking star of the film uh yeah this guy's a powerhouse very nice yeah love love kind of of figuring this stuff out also did the you know he's, he's got a he's got some sort of relationship with fincher at least 20 years ago you know he did he did seven and then panic room fuck yeah you've you've got a way to my heart if you've you know worked on those two movies which yeah like you said seven relies on while there's great performances in seven it really relies on that stationary like fucking creep show that's happening throughout the movie you know and you're constantly going to these different settings, these different places with, you know, like the seven deadly sins. And it's just so incredibly scary and haunting and daunting to look at. You got to, got to tip your hat to Arthur Max. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fuck. Yeah. Well done. Arthur Max. <laughs> yeah. Arthur Max. These are guys that I, I just, they're, they're now somewhere in my brain, right? You know, these guys, they just, they take a place up and I, Instead of just being like, oh, the Ridley Scott film. It's like, uh-huh. There's a lot of guys that he he trusts to kind of carry that vision with him. And that's that's really cool. Uh, we you know have learned about some of them right here today. Uh, that's 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 all I got for for individuals, you know. Again, with a cast this giant and kind of this star-studded as at least as at least now, maybe not at the time, you know, this is pretty incredible. It's just Sam Shepard and Tom Hardy, but I wanted to ask you, of everyone else that's in the film, you know, Ewan McGregor, Eric Bana, all these different guys, Jason Isaacs, which one of those are you the most surprised to hear that hasn't been nominated at some point? Hmm. Probably Eric Bana. I think just yeah. the, in, you know, the films he's done, you know, Munich, Lone Survivor, Chopper, like you'd expect him at this point to have gotten at least one nomination. And he is a great actor. Uh, especially in this film. So that's, yeah, that's a bit of a shock. Yeah. I'd say him. I think he's, I think him and Ewan are, are there. I think Ewan McGregor has done some like incredible stuff and has been recognized for different things. It has been recognized, you know, for like TV and whatnot, but just kind of, kind of amazing that he hasn't, he hasn't found a role that just kind of floored every through through award and you know you you look at his imdb and you're like okay it kind of makes sense kind of makes sense like none of these you know it was either too competitive that year or they are movies that didn't get big until later right you know or they have this kind of cult status like a film like train spotting just has this cult type status and he's always he always brings it but you know he's been nominated for four emmys 
Oh, he he's won one uh, for Halston, the show I honestly know nothing about. Uh, I love him in Fargo playing the Stussy brothers. Jesus Christ. Underrated. Season three is underrated. And he's, he is so good in that. Uh, he's, he's a guy that people know well, you know, and is going to continue being stuff. I just, I find it, find it weird that there's never been one that's kind of stuck, whether it be, you know, what he's doing in Moulin Rouge or again, train spotting or something. I don't know. I, I always, I always like him even in films like, uh, to me, he's the, he's the major standout in a film like Birds of Prey. You're like, Dude, that guy's got so much, so much talent. And he can just kind of do anything. And he's really funny on a dime and can just get real fucking serious real fucking quick. And I, I, I love him about that. I really liked him in Dr. Sleep. I thought he was great in that movie. Uh, Christopher Robin. These are some recent ones that are, that one's really pleasant. You know, it's a really pleasant yeah fun role to watch like what what a cool range he has uh just robin dr sleep and Bird, all within two years like really cool really cool actor yeah ewan mcgregor's uh a favorite of mine i am i'm currently in the middle of a uh out of the blue uh star wars rewatch and i'm in the midst of the prequels right now so ewan mcgregor's go. on my mind in more ways than one lately uh <laughs> i yeah i think that um He's an underappreciated performer. Uh, definitely leans more into character actor status than movie star for me, at least. Uh, one of my personal favorites that a lot of people hate. I don't really get the hate behind this movie. Is the men who stare at goats? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, playing kind of the straight man alongside a crazy George Clooney. You know, who used to be part of Project Jedi, of which Ewan McGregor doesn't know what that means because he's never seen Star Wars. It's, <laughs> it's, that's hilarious. And that's such an oddball film, but uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, he's, he's, he's still a young man. We'll, we'll see it happen. Yeah, I hope so. My favorite, I think, is uh, Shallow Gray from the 90s. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jesus, he's so good in that movie. It's probably that and Train Spotting. They're my two favorite performances he's given us. Uh, just awesome, awesome shit. And at the very beginning of his career. So I love that. Shallow Grave. God, that's such a creepy movie. So great. Yeah. Such a smart idea. Just money completely de- destroys these friends. It's, ah, I want to watch that again. That's such a fucking crazy movie. Yeah, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, I really, I really, I really dig that one. Uh, I do, I do want to talk about some uh, 74th Academy Awards stuff here. I think you and I have covered 2001. You know, we've done Shrek, Mulholland Drive. Uh, we've talked about Fellowship of the Ring on our uh, 50th episode. Um, let's see. I feel like we've done some others. Maybe I'm maybe in the bedroom. It. In the bedroom. That was really early on. Yeah, we've we've been here like plenty of times. And I love kind of going through them again just to see, have you seen anything else? What about these other categories? You know, it's fun to just kind of look at a ceremony again. So I think maybe we'll start with uh, uh, Best Cinematography. Uh, we can do best. It won best sound and best film editing. Black Hawk Down. Uh, its biggest category is best director for sure. That's just a nominate. Where do you want to start? Which one? Which one of the four do you want to do first? Uh, let's switch it up. Let's do the two wins first this time. Okay. All right. Yeah, I dig that. All right. So best sound. We've got. <laughs> it's never gonna not bother me. <laughs> no. Same. Um, <laughs> Amelie. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Moulin Rouge, 
Pearl Harbor and the winner Black Hawk Down. Uh, so sound, if we're talking sound editing, sound design. Uh, yeah, I think Black Hawk Down, well-deserved. This film is, you know, relies heavily on a lot of sound design. I think this is a, is a, it's a good win. Yeah, this is fine with me, right? I mean, I, I, the movie, there is... There is no dead space ever. It's just guns, 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 like nonstop. It's a movie that if you have it, it's, it's one of those things, especially when you're watching movies at home, you know, if you're in the theater, who gives a fuck? When you're watching at home, you might have the issue of it gets quiet for like two seconds when Sam Shepard's talking and then it goes back to what's happening. On, and it's just so loud that you have to, you're like, oh, fuck, you know, you're, you're, you're turning the volume back down because it's just, it's, it doesn't even match it, it, the, the amount of stuff happening compared to when it's just a little bit of dialogue to these guys on the ground just getting shot at and then shot, shooting back. It's just a difference. It's, it's that trick a lot with you know, action movies, war movies, where you have to constantly have your hand on the remote because you're like, I, I don't know where to go because when it's and they're talking, it's too quiet. <laughs> But then over here, it's too loud. So you have to constantly adjust. It's one of those Black Hawk Down will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, that's the curse of the war film. You got to yeah. <laughs> hopefully watch, you know, get everyone in the house on board or watch it, you know, quietly, which is just not, a, not possible. Yeah, yeah not <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, best film editing we have. This is a very interesting group of films. A Beautiful Mind, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Memento, Moulin Rouge, and the winner, Black Hawk Down. Uh, I, I love that, that group. Um, I, I get why I Black too. Hawk Down won this. Personally, I would give it to Memento. Yeah, I have no, no qualms with that. Memento, usually when people ask me, I say this is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. And it is because it has the, you know, that kind of simplistic distorting, you know, feeling that you get when you're watching a movie, one of his movies, you know, of course now at this point, after doing, you know, the Batman trilogy and doing inception interstellar Dunkirk, these different, these different, just massive, massive movies. It's just a way different scale than what Memento was. And Memento has all of the qualities that I love from Christopher Nolan and none of the extra baggage that comes with him that I sometimes don't respond to. And it's, I, I love Memento. Is that Dottie Dorn? Is that how you say that? That name? <laughs> um, Dodie, Dodie Dorn. It's gotta be Dodie. Yeah. Do, Dodie Dorn. Right. Dodie. Dodie. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's known for working Christopher Nolan's um, and that's, kind of the biggest thing she she's done you know that's that's her claim to fame which is totally fine i have my name attached to memento <laughs> yeah for sure uh, but any of these films really could have taken it uh it's a great bunch um that yeah, takes I mean, us yeah fellowship fellowship is in there so yeah but we got to spread the love a little bit right <laughs> yeah 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 it just it's just it's just the best <laughs> uh best cinematography oh here you go we have amelie black hawk down 
the man who wasn't there, Moulin Rouge, and the winner, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, people saw this for the first time of like, Jesus Christ, give New Zealand everything. And uh, the, yeah, of course. But it is cool to see Roger Deakins there with uh, the man who wasn't there. I think that film's solo nomination. Uh, nice to see that. Yeah, just another dip for Roger Deakins. Oh, him and the Coens just doing their thing. It is what it is. But this is, this is yeah, this is, has to go to Andrew Lesney. Uh, Fellowship, along with Two Towers and Return of the King, they just... They do things that movies always wanting to do is, is like you said, making you want to to this place. In this case, where some people at the time when it came out, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were watching the movie like, I don't even know where the fuck New Zealand is, but I'll go. <laughs> and, uh, and for I, me, it's always been a place I've wanted to go. I've, 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 I have family who's lived there for a long time and I've always wanted to visit there and uh, just looks like, just a spectacular place to spend a little vacation. Yeah, it looks amazing. One of the few places on earth that is that looks unspoiled. You know what I mean? It looks just like the same it looked on day one. And just the way Peter Jackson utilized that incredible landscape. Uh, it's a it's on my bucket list. I, I, I got to go there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hey, man, we'll do a little lore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Uh, best director. We have Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, Robert Altman for Gosford Park, Peter Jackson for The Fellowship of the Ring, David Lynch for Mulholland Drive, and the winner, Ron Howard, A Beautiful Mind. So I can now say I have seen all five of these movies. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Let's go. <laughs> And I still think this should have gone to Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we were just talking about, Lord of the Rings. Uh, all three of them are pretty flawless. And my personal favorite is Fellowship of the Ring of the trilogy. I, I adore that one. And I usually like the beginning stage of, of most trilogies, most whatever franchises. I always like that that, that beginning, the the origin kind of story. Uh, we've, we've done a Mulholland Drive episode where just Dave Lynch is doing stuff that these other four guys just they're not even operating in the same place, you know, like Lynch's Mohan drive is just a way different kind of movie than, than what you normally see uh, in this category and Wesker's. And so it's just cool to see him there. Robert Altman's kind of a, kind of a legend and a, a total influencer and inspiration to a lot of, a lot of directors of art of what, who we're watching right now. Uh, Ridley Scott, you know, We've talked about him. He's, he's a legend in his own right. Ron Howard getting a win. Ron Howard is my last of these five. And that always sucks. When you watch a movie, you know, you're watching movies rewatch and you're just kind of like, ah, I mean, Ridley Scott deserves it over Ron Howard in this category, I'd say. I mean, and I definitely think Peter Jackson does. And then you're like, oh yeah, so does Dave Lynch. And fuck it. So does Robert Altman. I, I just, I, I don't, I'm, I don't see what's so special about A Beautiful Mind. I think it's a decent movie, but nothing more. I'm with you, but you know, then again, it's been a minute since I've sat down and watched it. So maybe, you know, maybe I, we're just not remembering some facet that works, but odds are that yeah. I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I, I've seen it a few times. I own it. You know, I, I, I do. I like it, but when it comes to competing against these, I, I don't care for it nearly as much. And 
that that that's frustrating. I also think Todd Field for in the bedroom, just like straight up deserved spot here. He's putting on show in that movie. That movie's amazing. Really glad it was up for Best Picture, but I think Todd Field is is so deserving in that category. And uh, I know, you know, Mr. Fuqua for Training Day would have been really cool to see him in that in that category too. He's he's doing stuff that people wish they could do with some of their you know first first movies. Uh, love 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 Training Day. You know, it's cool to see Denzel. It would be cool to see uh, Fuqua nominated. Uh, that's that's all category, uh, which is which is a cool one. It's always fun to go over best for these guys, the guys that are in the chair, the most important men in the room. And for this year, Ron Howard took it. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I feel like if David Lynch had won it, he would go up there. The Oscar would like climb off the pedestal and just start dancing with him. And no one would question it because it's David Lynch. And then he would just walk away. He wouldn't say yeah. a word. Yeah, fucking weirdo. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Ron Howard. I it's divisive. I don't know. Uh, I think these other four men probably deserved it more. But you know, in the long run, maybe my mind will change the next time I watch a beautiful night. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you think uh, you think uh, we should do that sometime soon for a uh, best showdown? Maybe not circle maybe not back so- around to 2001 again. Maybe not soon. I think we need to give it a while before we go back to 2001. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. We've, we've done, we've also, we, did I mention, you know, we did Shrek, you know, on this show, which uh, Shrek is the first, first ever, the, the first ever winner of best animated film of monsters, Inc. And Jimmy Neutron, like I've done everything you can do inside 2001. <laughs> we've done, we've done the wacky David Lynch, David Lynch film. We've done an animated movie. We've done a war movie. Like, yeah, we've done, we've done fucking Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's probably time to give it a rest for a little while. <laughs> yeah. For, a, for maybe a year or so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> it also this year in 2021, it's cool because we were little kids when these movies came out and they all hit their 20 year anniversary this year. So it's also cool to do, do that kind of stuff with, with films on Oscar Sunday, kind of give them an anniversary special and we're doing it again with Black Hawk Down. Uh, I want to give awards out to this movie. This is going to be a lot of fun because uh, there's so many choices for the PSH. There's all kinds of, you know, wild war type dialogue uh, for the Tarantino, you know, it's going to be fun. So we have the Tarantino for, best quote or line from the movie. We have the Ennio Morricone award for the best music moment of the movie. Uh, we have the Philip Seymour Hoffman award. Fucking miss PSH so much. Sometimes when I say that, say the PSH award, I just, I get goosebumps. I love that guy. Uh, and then we have the Roger Deakins award for the best scene of the movie. So take it away with your Tarantino, Connor. My Tarantino, uh, it took a while because a lot of the dialogue in this film is very much like, you know, military jargon and, you know, go, go, go and shit like that. So it was really tough to find something that resonated. But mm. then at the end of the movie, uh, Hoot, always reliable, steps in and starts talking about, you know, why? The ultimate question, why? And he says, when I go home, people will ask me, hey, Hoot. Why do you do it, man? What, you some kind of war junkie? You know what I'll say? I won't say a goddamn word. 
Why? They won't understand. They won't understand why we do it. They won't understand that it's about the men next to you. And that's it. That's all it is. Perfect, simple sum up of the entire movie and every war movie ever made. It's perfect. Yeah. Chef's kiss for sure. <laughs> I, I actually wrote, and then I said, Connor's going to choose that. <laughs> I was like, there's no way in hell he's not choosing that one. So I went with a different who quote. Who who has a few 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 lines in this movie that are, that are that are incredible? That is probably the best quote from the movie. And again, like you said, kind of sums up war films, especially especially American perspective war films. Yes, it does. He's this this fucking dude who's just like it looks like he's having fun, and you're like, what? But then he says this shit, and you're like, oh. He's just this mindless, thoughtless, like, fuck it. I'm going to protect the guy next to me. And sometimes it's, that's just what it is. And I love that he's that honest about it. Uh, along, it's, very, it's early in the movie. It's before they even, before they even go up in the choppers. Uh, Hoot is talking to uh, Eversman. Uh, yeah, Josh Harnett's character. Uh, and they're just kind of shooting the shit. And uh, Eversman is is uh, is a little bit nervous, right? Because he's about to have a big role in what they're doing, what where they're going, and what and how they're operating. And Hood is smoking a cigarette, just kind of sitting on like kind of against a wall. And you know they're they're just they're just talking. And Hood says, "You know what I think? Don't really know what I think. Once that's past your head, politics and all of that shit goes right out the window." <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking hoot man <laughs> he eric ban such a good job you know dropping the dropping the accent and doing a whole different accent of this kind of like southern like fucking war lord type guy like he's it's it's almost cheesy but it never crosses that line of being actually cheesy it's like oh no i actually really like this performance i like this character i like what ban is doing with it and these people for sure exist within, you know, the military, specifically the U.S. military. And I uh, respected him a lot in this movie and what he what he was saying and what what he was doing. There was a few times where the camera, you know, is going to all these different dudes and you're like, oh, oh, shit, there's oh, my God, there's Tom Hardy. And then every time it goes back to Eric Bannon, you're like, fuck, yeah, you know, this is this guy, this guy fucking means business. And sometimes that's good in a war movie to have that jolt of fucking yeah that guy that guy kicks ass you know because you're watching these guys just fight for their lives and sometimes you have to have the right right kind of actor to to portray that and i think eric banna is perfect i wish he hadn't done that fucking hulk movie that's the that that movie is the reason he never got to be as huge as he deserved to be i just know it yeah i agree i think that that if you if you fuck up bad on a you know on a, on a and it's not even all your fault it's the movie's fault whatever it is it's a t- you're just attached to it and when it's that big you know it's a superhero movie or you're gonna do a big franchise movie and it that happens yeah it's just you're not gonna get back on your side because everyone saw it and that yeah. sucks you know yeah damn shame well frustrating but. Uh, what's not frustrating is Hans Zimmer's score and 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 fucking Black Hawk Down. Oh, the Ennio Morricone. Moment. There's also some great you know needle drops in this movie. So I'm curious where you go. Yeah, mine is a needle drop. Uh, 
simply because I was like, holy shit, that's that's awesome. It's uh fuck yeah. Right when the choppers take off and the guitar for Voodoo Child by Hendrix starts playing. And then I hear singing and I'm like, that's not Hendrix. And I looked it up and I'm like, that's fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. this is Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan doing a Hendrix cover while fucking Blackhawks take off to go fuck some shit up. And I'm like, this is this is a moment right here. This is awesome. So, yeah, immediately I wrote that down. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love it. Uh, such a good moment in the movie. Uh, I chose... I chose a, a piece of the score that's uh, in the thick of fighting. It's the, the title. The title of the track is tribal war Jesus. by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> like how, how fucking cinematic, how cinematic can you get? Uh, and it's, it's, it's a very, very fast paced uh, track. Uh, you know, it has this kind of kind of slow burning start. And then you start, it's, at, it's as if you're just, you, you want to fucking run to it. You know, you're, you're not even run, but, just chase something and, and, or, or run away from something, hide from something. Very, very cool stuff. I respect a lot of the, a lot of the stuff going on in this movie, but Hans Zimmer's touch on that, that particular piece kind of at the height of while they're fighting the Somalians, uh, maybe with like 40 minutes left in the movie. And you're just, Holy shit. You're floored at this point. You don't know how many people are dead. You don't know how many people have lost their lives type thing. And you're just you're stuck in this ride you know the the seatbelt is off and you're just fucking you're off-roading at that point and tribal war does such a good job of putting you in that and remind you you're watching movie in real war you know music's not playing constantly you know it's just it's just gunshots so you're watching black hawk down and you got hans zimmer attached to it it reminds you hey i'm watching a movie this is this is this is a, you know, this is fiction as far as, you know, movie making goes, but it is, it is a nonfiction story. It's a true story. And it's, it's got life, you know, people, it's nice to be reminded that every now and again, when watching a war movie, so you don't get too kind of sucked in almost, uh, the score always does a good job. Good job. of uh, Scores always do. A good- yeah, man. I, I was so committed to mentioning to giving Stevie Ray Vaughan his props that I was, I was going to pick this, but I easily could have gone with any, any moment of Zimmer's score. It's, it's impressive. And that's, you know, saying something when you look at this guy's resume. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the next award is kind of the one I've been, been kind of waiting all day for uh, just cause it's the, you know, it's the Philip Zimmer Hoffman award and you have all these actors we were talking about previously. Uh, I'm really excited to hear, there's just no way we picked the same guy. <laughs> There's like 30 motherfuckers in this movie. There's no way. If we did, that'd be incredible. Uh, who won the movie? Who who's the like who gives the best performance in the movie? Uh, as soon as I realized that the guy I chose was that actor, I had to do it because I had I knew the face, but I'm like, that's not the voice. The, that voice has not come out of that man. How is he doing that? And it's Jason Isaacs as Captain Steele. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> did you, did you pick Jason Isaacs yes. too? God damn! Fuck yeah! <laughs> oh my god! An ensemble cast of master character actors. We picked the same fucking dude. <laughs> He's he is something else in this movie. Holy shit! Uh, right away, right away when he catches, uh, who is it? He catches uh, 
like early on in the movie, he catches somebody making fun of him, doing an impersonation of him. And from there on out, I was like, I cannot wait for Jason Isaacs to be back on the screen. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I didn't know he had good old boy in his resume. Like, God damn, this is between the Patriot and Chamber of Secrets. Like, what the fuck? Jason Isaacs, one of the most underrated character actors of all time, one of my absolute favorites. And now I get this incredible performance to add to my enjoyment. Fuck yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I thought maybe from the, the way we were going, I thought maybe you were going to choose Banna and I was going to choose Isaacs, both guys that both both guys who just dropped the accent and were like, whoa, I didn't know they could do that. Uh, but there's there's no it's Jason Isaacs than everyone else in this movie for me. I think most of the guys do a do a swell job. You know, I think Ewan McGregor gives you like a tiny bit of comedy uh, comedic relief and he's really good. Eric Bana, Josh Hartnett's solid. He's fine. Uh, Tom Hardy's great in the scenes he's in. Uh, but Isaac's just, I could watch a movie about Captain Steel. Uh, he is, he is fucking incredible. <laughs> and there's, there's scenes with, you know, in the movie, especially later on where he's challenged and fuck, like Isaac's just has, has something about him. His eyes say it all. And God, man. Yeah. Great, great pick. <laughs> Is the little like beef he has with William Fickner when Fickner's getting agitated and he just tells him, like, don't you ever give me orders again, son? Like, <laughs> yeah. like is this the same Fickner's- guy? Is this Lucius Malfoy? Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Fickner's good too. I liked him. I like him in this movie as well. He's got a couple awesome moments, including that one that you just mentioned. Uh, I, I love that stuff. When, when I love when the, the captain who's just like, I'm, I'm in control when really none of you are in fucking control right now. This is just completely bananas and you all are just using survival tactics. Yeah. Uh, I love how he think he thinks like, no, I, I know exactly what's happening here and I do not want to be challenged. I do not want to be threatened at my level at my position. And it's cool. It's cool to see that in a movie uh, that's just so bloody intense. So, well, he Jason he, Isaacs, <laughs> I can't believe that Isaacs, he did such a great job of maintaining the illusion of control in a moment where as soon as they realize there is no possibility of a plan, they're going to start eating each other alive and he needs to keep control. And he does such a great job. I would follow that man into hell. (laughs) Like I I get it. It's, Oh, that's, I love that we both picked him. I can't fucking believe that. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. It's so awesome. (laughs) Literally like, in, in, in reality, and I, I would include like Sam Shepard in that as well, I think there's probably 12 guys who could win the PSH, depending on who you are. Yeah. Yeah, this is an unbelievable ensemble. And that's something I, you know, with just this year with The Last Duel and House of Gucci, Ridley Scott pulls together a fantastic ensemble. He is good at that. He is good at wrangling really talented actors together and making it believable. That's one of his greatest skills. It's got to be, it's got to be these people who, you know, were in formative stages and, uh, you know, you start watching movies and you're like, wait, I I have a chance to work with the guy who made Alien. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And I I think he has that about him. Like he always has this trump card of, yeah, I'm the motherfucker who made Alien, one of the greatest horror sci-fi movies 
maybe the greatest, you know, it depends who you are. It's just, uh, it's just a feat and one of the best, you know, most advanced movies and one of the most ahead of its time movies. I'm sure there's lots of people who are like, I'll do whatever I have to, to work with Ridley Scott, you know, I'm, and, and then there's people who are like, I want to go back again. You know, Matt Damon's like, fuck it. This guy's the man. I'm going to go do it again. <laughs> and that's, that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. So Isaacs takes the, takes the Hoffman. Well done. Isaacs, uh, Isaacs, Isaacs just won the episode. <laughs> and <laughs> cool. uh, now, now I'm, now I'm really, really excited for this because it's, my Deacons has already been kind of mentioned, but I have no idea what you're going to, what you're going to say here for your Deacons, because the film, it's hard to stop it to, that's how good the editing is. It's hard to cut it and be like, there's my, or here's my, because it just starts running and running and running and going and going and going. It's one of those movies where it's like, where, when do I pause it to go piss? <laughs> it's, it doesn't allow you break. And it's always hard to pick a Deacons inside of a movie like that. You know, a film yeah. like uh, also from 2001, uh, it, a film like in the bedroom, it's pretty easy to pinpoint and cut apart. I like this. I like this part. I like this part. I like this part. This part worked for me the best, but with black Hawk down, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. It's just punch you in the face over and over. So very excited to hear what you got. Mine is a fairly subtle moment, but a brilliant character reveal moment. It's right after uh, Smith dies after um, Eversman fucks up the surgery and um, he's feeling immensely mm. guilty and he's just like, you know, what the fuck am I doing here? And Hoot, well, good old Hoot comes in and gives him this pep talk of like, hey man, war is hell. Shit's going to go bad. It's going to happen, but you gotta, you gotta move on. You gotta keep a brave face. You gotta, you gotta take this by the balls and just ride with it or else you're going to fall apart and they're going to fall apart you need to be a leader here. And it, it gives him a moment. It gives Eversman a moment to be like, all right, fuck, let's, let's, you know, let's bury this and keep going. It's just, it's, I love that. Cause the whole time you're the whole time I'm thinking who is fucking insane. He's a warmonger. He is loving this. But in that moment, you're like, no, no, he's there to protect. He's there to make sure people get home alive. That's what he cares about more than anything. And then his speech at the end just reinforces that. But this is the first time you really see, who Hoot is at his core. And I thought that was great. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent scene. Uh, you got you got Tom Hardy holding holding the guy's hands and you got Eric Bana coming in for moral support and Josh Hartnett, who's heartbroken. Like, what a crazy, what a crazy mix of mix of actors. And he does such a good job of, like you said, kind of even if he's not totally believing everything he's saying he's like this is what needs to be said to this particular man yeah. right now so that he isn't in the same fucking spot yeah because if like, you if you allow if you allow it to consume you you're you're gonna die and you you have to keep moving you know 100 this is not the first time hoot has given this talk like, exactly yeah it's yeah he's got it in his head this is his like okay pep talk time let's do this he's he's the guy He's the guy you want in your corner at all times. Yeah, hundred ah, percent. Great pick. Great pick. That is, that is one of the times the movie like calms down as far as what's happening or, or, you know, on the screen, how loud it is, but it's one of the most intense, you know, and emotional moments of the film where 
you have to kind of reckon with for, for splits and that's never, never an easy thing. And Eric Bana does a good job of kind of, you know, bringing Josh Hartnett along, but also bringing us along as the audience. So good pick. Uh, my Deacons goes to the moment when Voodoo Child starts playing. <laughs> uh, that, that, that Stevie Ray Vaughan cover of that, uh, just, just, you know, pretty much perfect song, Jimi Hendrix song. Uh, it's, it's the signature Ridley Scott stuff that's in that particular scene where you're not given any sort of glamorous shot of the, 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 the choppers you're given a shot of the, just the propeller, boom, 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 boom. And then you're given a shot of the, the fucking tanks and the convoys rolling out, you know, and they're, they're starting to move and everything's, everything's going at once. And it's, it's showing what an incredible operation, you know, working in this kind of environment, what kind of an incredible operation it is and how complex and detailed it is and how these, these, you know, individual, these individuals who, you know, most individuals go and clock in and, and, you know, just do something pretty normal and pretty, pretty mindless for eight hours and then go home. These guys are like, we don't, we, we don't know if we're coming home type thing. And so it's like these bodies, these pieces, these individuals, that are moving out as one in a line, you know, you're just, you're always thinking how the fuck, you know, there's a reason our military like is as, you know, revered and as strong as it is. Cause these, these things happen, you know, these types of, you know, Marines and these type of elite soldiers are actual people and, and actually follow these specific systems and watching them, you know, they all start, you know, from different uh, helicopter to different helicopter or different Black Hawk to different Black Hawk. They start saying, Irene, Irene, you know, and one of them says, fucking Irene, you know, and they're like, you have to kind of distract yourself from what you're about to go do. And I think when Voodoo Child plays, it does that kind of trope that war movies have where it's like, let's play a badass rock song while Americans are going in to bust some ass. But it's so realistic in the, in the fact that imagine being in that place. You kind of have to distract yourself and get amped up because if you don't, you're going to get so wrapped up in it and think about, I might be walking into my death. So you kind of have to look at your, you know, look at your brothers and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, this is what we're doing. We better get fucking amped and get ready for it because it ain't, we ain't getting off this helicopter alive if we sit here and sulk about it there's like a real truth to that and a real scary you know reality to it and i i adored that scene when they're leaving i was like i forgot how good that transition is from talking and playing basketball and joking around under the tents and stuff and not uh, to like straight up like business this is fucking business care of something we got to get in, get out, and left behind. When Shepard goes up and he says, "All right, boys, like you're gonna get it done. No man gets left behind." And then you walk, and you and McG- what the fuck's going on? And Josh Hartnett's like, "I've never seen him do that before, so now I'm worried." <laughs> and the harsh reality of truth of that is, is something. Of course, you know, Brown is just a crazy, crazy touch, and I have a lot of respect for that. That like. 10 minute scene where they leave and they arrive and just how, just how wild that is, that that's what humans do. 
something a part of probably never be, you know, and I always admire the individual who, who go do that kind of stuff. It's just uh, a different kind of breed. Oh yeah. man! I would never even presume to understand what it's like to be a soldier. I, I have not served. No. I, I know I have friends who served, I have family who served, and I have nothing but the absolute respect for their decision to defend our country. Uh, absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, so we were on the same page for a lot of these. <laughs> for sure. Definitely, you know, definitely we were both affected by some of the same, same kind of stuff in the movie, and that's cool. You know, the movie's kind of when it hits, it hits for sure. I, I give it an eight overall. I think it's just solid, solid stuff. And I'm looking forward to one day watching it again. You know, it's not a movie that I'm just going to forget about. Like I, I've, I've owned it for quite some time. I have a double feature with uh, Brian De Palma's Casualties of War. Mm. Uh, it, with, you know, it's like a, one of those where there's two fucking discs inside of it. I've had it since I was like 16 or 17. And they're just both movies that, kind of kind of ruined me you know messed me up and sometimes you need to need to do that to kind of kind of learn yeah art is not safe i don't remember where i heard that but i love that uh, yeah i love that this, too <laughs> this film is uh an eight for me as well uh solid ridley scott flick uh fantastic war movie and a very humanizing uh event film uh yeah well well done good pick hell uh, yeah what do we got going on next week? Well, tomorrow is, uh, you know, when you and Caleb are going to be going to be chatting about Ridley Scott more, uh, you know, I know House of Gucci is going to be mentioned uh, in Canto. Excited to hear you guys talk about Scott even more. I'm definitely going to tune in. Uh, and then on Filmgasm, we have Twilight Zone, the movie. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. Uh, it's, it's a movie that we've done, uh, you know, before episode one, six, why not now? You know, <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel about sometimes I'm like, wait, you haven't done that yet? <laughs> uh, it happens. And then next week on Oscar Sunday, December 5th, episode fucking 79, we're going to do a Christmas movie going into December. We're going to do, we have 1990 alone, top five Christmas movies. Who knows? It's going to be a lot of fun. So come on back next week. <laughs> Home Alone. Uh, yeah, just one of those films that's kind of just been in my life since the beginning. I don't even remember the first time I watched that. It's just a bona fide Christmas classic up for two Oscars, I believe. And uh, I'm so glad we get to talk about it. Uh, the pool of mm-hmm. Oscar nominated Christmas movies is smaller than you might think. So the, <laughs> this, we try to be sparse. Uh, yeah, that's going to yeah, be fun. Yeah. You know, we've, we've done Die Hard Joe, and I think that's one of the greatest when it comes to Christmas and, you know, just great movies. So, you know, yeah, we got, we got to it up a little bit, you know, not take down all the big ones. Uh, I think, I think Home Alone is, is big, in, but it's not this crazy revered movie like Die Hard. So yeah, changing it up. Nice. Uh, yeah. As, uh, as Austin said, uh, tomorrow's sneak preview will be more Ridley Scott, House of Gucci and uh, discussing more of his films. And then of course, Twilight Zone, the movie on Wednesday's filmgasm, a film we've wanted to do for a very long time and a film with a, very fucked up dark story behind it. Uh, one that we are going to unpack in its entirety. Uh, cannot wait. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is this was a blast, and uh, we'll see you next week. 